Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. It's really good to be with you today. And honestly, I just feel like God's doing something so wonderful in this hour. And you need to wake up and connect with what God's doing. A lot of people are still slumbering. But God's beginning to move, but they're not aware of it. They're still going about their own business. They're still trying to, you know, figure out life. Let me just say, have you not recognized that there's nothing in this world that's worth pursuing, you know, in and of itself, that that there's something beyond that? And God's calling us to that. And there are so many people right now that I believe that are in the place of recognizing there's something missing in life. There's something missing. And um, in, in this hour, it's a wonderful time to awaken to God. It's like God's like, there's a divine opportune time right now. I'm like opening a special time where more people are going to come to know me. And I want to encourage you today. You might already know him, but let me ask you this. Are you awakened to him all the time? Are you walking with him? God's asking you to come deeper and maybe you don't know him yet. You know, maybe you're playing around, so to speak, or looking, you know, um, God, what's all this about? You know, you're, you're, you're curious. Maybe, you know, it's right but somehow you're afraid to jump in holy. You see, this is the hour when God's saying, jump in with everything. Believe me with everything. Trust me with everything. You know, it's not easy to trust God. Even when we're walking with the Lord, God pulls us into new steps in life. We think, hey, I'm serving the Lord now. And oh, it's so great. But then God will say, I want you to trust me beyond just for your salvation. I want you to trust me and obey me and step out on the water Step out in some place where you can't do it on your own. And our flesh goes, no, I'm not in control when I step out in that water. I've got to trust God's going to keep me from sinking. But God's like, he so loves to call us out on that water. And we're going, but there's nothing immoral with what I'm doing. This is an okay life. And God's like, no, I'm calling you out. You see, even living for God requires us to step out of our comfort zone and to step in that place of vulnerability with God. And if you've never even trusted the Lord, I understand it takes faith. You've got to let go of the way you've been living. You've got to let go of of how you've been doing things. And it's a whole new world for you. I realize that can be so difficult, right? But I'm encouraging you today. Let go and trust God. Trust that voice that's deep down on the inside of you, pulling you forward, telling you to go forward. It's your conscience. It's that, it's that voice speaking to you. And, you know, sometimes people go, well, I'm not sure. Deep down, you know it's the right thing to do. God convicts you of that. And I'm encouraging you today, step out of your doubts, step out of your fears, fear of the unknown. Be willing to let go of stuff you're holding on to, it's never going to produce anything good in your life anyway. One of the craziest things that I've discovered when I'm trying to help people come forward and, and, and go live for the Lord is some of the things they're holding on to. I mean, they're miserable. The way they're living's miserable. The relationships they're in are miserable. And you're like, hey, that's not, those are sinful things that, that it, just let go of that. And go forward. But they won't let go. It's the craziest thing. <laughs> you know, to, and, 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 I, and when I see people, they do take that step and they go forward with God and they truly let go. Man, what a joy that is to see that and, and uh, to be a part of that. I, I love being a part of seeing lives changed. I've never been interested in just having a traditional church, you know, where, oh, we have good music. We have this. We have that. I want to see lives changed. I want to see the presence of God come. I want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to see people prophesy or whatever. I want to see God work in every person. And God, it says, it's, the Word of God teaches us that God has so wired the body that everybody has something to bring to the table. We've all been given of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing, but you only get to experience this when you're walking in that place where you're coming out of where you've been and going into what God's calling you to be, not only from unbelief to believing in God, but then even as a believer, I am telling you and every one of us here, you've got to go from where you are now to where God is calling you now. It's not just today. It's like the way. Jesus is the way. You see what I'm saying? 
Life is a path, you see, and Jesus is the path, and we've got to walk on that every day. And in that, there is an amazing communion with God, a connection with God, and a flowing with all the things that are in God. Amen? It's a good thing to be a part of. Anyway, we've been looking at Paul and the story that's in Acts chapter 16, and we saw how he's hearing from God. He's in that connection. He's willing to step out of where he's been he's, and, and just do what God's telling him to do. Paul has left everything for the Lord. There is nothing holding him back. He's not afraid of doing anything. He's not afraid of letting go of anything because he's already let go of everything. Amen. You see, so God's pulling him into new things. He, and he's in this season where he's not been very fruitful. You know, but it's not his fault, really. It's not God's fault. It's just the timing. He's seeking, seeking for what God wants him to do. And he's, he's, he's in that time frame, you see. And God's faithful to give him a vision and to pull him into the next thing that he's got for him. Paul takes that step of faith and he steps out into it. He goes exactly where God tells him to go, right when God tells him to go. He doesn't wait. He doesn't put it off and say, well, let me just see, God. Let me put this on my calendar. You want me to do it? Well, I'm really busy. I'm trying to build a church right here, God. You know, No. God says go. That's where the move of God's going to be. That's where the blessing's going to be. That's where the increase is going to be. He hears a word from God, and he goes. When he goes there, we saw that he meets this, um, let's see, he meets this woman named Lydia. It says this, and um, this is in verse 14. She's a seller of purple. She worshiped the Lord. The Lord opened her heart to, to obey, to heed, to pay attention to the things spoken of by Paul. So there are all these people Paul's talking to, and one woman, one woman uh, pays attention. Now, I just want to say that woman, she, she must have been just thrilled that day. It's sad that all the other women, at the, they're all there praying. One woman hears from the Lord. I just have to say, you know, that's an interesting start. One, one person, right? <laughs> but just think about that one woman and how she is so thrilled that, that she has given her life to the Lord. She's discovered God. I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing when somebody gives their life to the Lord. And think about Paul. I mean, Paul's going, I'm glad I, I didn't give up. I'm glad I didn't get discouraged and just say, well, I can't understand this God thing. I've been trying and trying and nothing's working. And then he finally goes somewhere. He sees this woman get saved. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing when salvation goes forth. And it's something that brings joy to everybody. And I just want to say this right now. This is a huge hour when God is restoring the emphasis on people coming back to God and serving God with a pure heart and living for God. He's bringing forth the message of salvation and of deliverance and of healing in the earth again. Amen? And it's a good thing. Let me just mention a couple of these verses that we're all familiar with that I believe are so important for us to get into our hearts because we can just read things and not, not think about the impact of those words sometimes. But it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't willing or, or desiring that anybody perish. He's not wanting anybody to perish, but that all come to repentance. See, God doesn't want anybody to perish, right? He wants everybody to what? Turn. That's, I believe, God's will. I believe God loves everybody. Are there going to be some people that after a while, they give God the finger and they say, I'm going to persist in my way. Are there going to be some people that God's going to just say, okay, I believe, I believe that does happen. But I believe there's a lot of us, we're stubborn, but God understands that. And he's wanting to work through that. And we all probably know stubborn people. I just want to encourage you, those that are believers, pray that God would pour out his spirit and that God would give people an, an open mind and an open heart so that they would have the ability to make the decision and go, I will go forward with God and I will do what God wants me to do. I will follow him. Amen. I'll follow him with everything I've got. I want to encourage you as believers to begin to see yourself as fishers of men. There's so many people like Lydia 
that this woman we just read about, who are just waiting for someone who will not give up, who will keep telling other people about the Lord when nobody's coming to God. There is one person just still waiting for you somewhere in where you are. Amen? So don't give up. Anyway, Jesus says the good shepherd leads the 99, and he'll go for the one after the one that somehow got on the wrong course. Man, what a picture of, of a sheep on the wrong course. What happened? He started eating and paying attention to the grass here. The, oh, the grass is greener over there. The flock's going over there. The shepherd's going over there. But I'm looking over here, right? And so he keeps going where, you know, as he's not paying attention to where the shepherd is, right? And so after a while, the sheep is separated from the shepherd. And Jesus talks about the work of the shepherd is to leave the 99 because he's, he's concerned about that very one. Every single one is important to Jesus Christ. I mean, everybody's important. So, I mean, think about how Jesus lived and what he did. He, I mean, he lived a life of suffering. He came from heaven. Why? That we might be forgiven, that we might come back to God and have eternal life and not perish. Praise God for the not perish part too. Amen? I'm glad I'm going to be with God. But I'm glad I'm not going to be in that other place. I mean, I, seriously, are you not? And believe that's a part of the gospel. Sometimes we de-emphasize that. You know, it's, oh, it's just, a, you know, with the Lord. Yes, I'm, yes, amen. But I'm telling you, I'm really, really glad I'm not going to that other place either. Anyway, and Jesus is too. He says he doesn't desire that anybody perish. What's he thinking about when he's talking about perishing? That's what he's thinking about. He doesn't want anybody to have an eternity like that. Anyway, and it says, God so loved the world, he sent, he sent. See, there's a mission. There's a plan. God wants to do something. And I believe that what God's doing right now on the earth, he's formulating a plan. Don't think that God's asleep. He's not asleep. It might look like God's not doing anything right now. You might look around and go, how's God going to do something? I am telling you in the midst of when it looks like nothing is happening, God's doing something. God's moving. He's putting things together. God sees in front of us. He's not just working with right now. He's already been to the future. And from the future, God has already seen what is there. And he's preparing something now because he knows where we're getting ready to all be. And he's going to bring it all together. And it's going to look like he just planned it, you know, and made it happen. God planned now from where he's already been. Are y'all with me? He's bringing us to that. It's an amazing thing. We're just walking out what God's already planned as long as we just stay connected. It's, it's powerful. Luke 15, 10 says that angels of heaven are rejoicing over just one sinner that repents. Powerful. I mean, look at the joy. I mean, what, this is getting back to just that one person being important to God. Think about that. All of heaven or the angels of heaven are rejoicing over just that one person. That just blows my mind. I mean, we get we see someone maybe come to the Lord and, hey, well, it's exciting, we move on. Do you realize, I mean, angels in heaven are rejoicing over that soul that the light came to and they turned around. It's a big, big, big thing. They just see that person, at least in this dimension, they've come out of deception and darkness of the enemy, of the devil, a supernatural thing happened. They came out. They made the decision to walk with God. The light came. They took that step. Man, that, that's so powerful. And I want to emphasize this so much, and I believe this is on God's heart in this hour. Um, for those of you that maybe, maybe you've been thinking about serving the Lord, maybe you put God, like you add God to your life, um, that you haven't really been born again. The Bible says you have to be born again. You can't just be religious. You've got to be born again. You've got to be a new person. Um, your, whole, your whole life's going to change. When you give your life to the Lord, your desires 
go in a different direction. You want God. You don't want to sin anymore. You don't want to go back to those things anymore. You want God. You see, everything's going to change. And there's a lot of people that realize it's a good thing. And in their mind, they just feel like serving the Lord. You know, it's just sort of like, you know, you're acknowledging that, but you're the same person you were before. You know, now you're just trying to be a little better. No, it's a radical transformation. God calls it being born again. You're a new thing. You're a new person. And if you're born again, you don't want to go back to sin anymore. You want to follow the Lord. You want to lay down your life. And we realize that there still is a struggle. Maybe our flesh, our, our habits want to pull us in one direction. But there's something on the inside of us that's pulling us forward in God. Amen. And that's what I just want to encourage you with today. If you're in that zone where you haven't given everything to God, you've not trusted Him, I want to encourage you, take that step. You've got to respond. Hearing the Word of God and all of that doesn't do you one bit of any good, not one bit of good, if you won't act on what you've heard. You've got to respond to what you've heard. You've got to step into it today. You have to step into it. And like I said earlier, I know it might feel difficult. It might feel hard to step into that new thing. But I will tell you this, when you do, then you will understand freedom. Then you'll understand what it means to be forgiven, to have a new life, to have a new expectation, to, to begin to connect with God. The joy of God will fill your soul. And man, it is amazing what happens then. Amen. So, you know, I liken it to like if somebody's drowning, you know, somebody, somebody can love you and go, oh, no, we've got to help them. Go run. Go get the, the life raft or the or the whatever you call that thing and or the um, the a vest and throw it out to you. But if you don't grab a hold of it, you're going to go down eventually. You see what I'm saying? You can have the life raft thrown out to you. You can have the life jacket thrown out to you. But if you don't take advantage of it, you go down. And I'll tell you what saddens my heart is to see so many people in my lifetime hear the message and never turn their, mess, their life over to the Lord. They play around with God, you know, week after week, play around with God, you know, half in, half out, da-da-da. Man, that burdens me so much. They're living their lives in what I call futility. Never connecting with their God purpose. Never connecting what they're supposed to do in life. And then one day, they die. You know, think about the futility of life. Particularly if somebody that doesn't know the Lord. They go through their struggles. They, they're stressed. You know, they, some people, you know, go through this, that, you know, and whatever to, to, to just get out of troubles. And, you know, they, they want to make it in life. And, and then they want to do this. And then, and, and then, boom, life is over. All of that's over. It's gone. And not only that, down the road, you'll be forgotten. Everything you've done will be forgotten. Are y'all with me? All futility for nothing except for the person that knows God. Man, I believe it's Peter that says this, God redeemed you from your futile way of life. All life is just futility. There's nothing to it, except if you're going to connect with the Lord. And then, and then it says this. And this is amazing. Peter said this, 1 Peter 1.18, you are redeemed from your futile way of life with the precious blood of Jesus. He paid to give you meaning in life. To connect with what you're made for, with purpose. Not just stuff, not just earthly success. What is that? It's going to be gone like that. You see? And 1 John 2, 17 says, the world's going to pass away. The desires of this world, they're going to pass away. All the things men run after, yearn after, they're just going to pass away. But the one who does the will of God shall live forever. Man, that is so powerful. I want to encourage you today. Disconnect from the yearnings of this world, just the pulls, everything that's pulling you left and right. Yes, we have to do things. We have to work. We, have, we need to make money, all of the whatever. But God's like, you put eternal things first. Put me first. And watch what begins to happen in your life. I want to encourage you today, those of you that are watching, be willing to take that step. You've got to be courageous to do it. 
Christianity is not for wimps. It's for very bold people who are willing to step out of, of what they've been trusting in and trust in God. I'm telling you, that is not a wimpy thing at all. It takes a lot of courage. And God wants you to connect back to Him today. So, and I, again, I feel like that's something that God's emphasizing so much. And then it goes like after, so Paul's preached with this woman. So he's, he's starting to get his rhythm now. Can y'all see that? Man, he's been praying, and now he's connecting with, with that next season. Oh, I'm here. The woman gets saved. And it says this in verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer, a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God. They're proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Now, I mentioned this last week, but do y'all realize that this demon had an assignment? This demon had an assignment. And what was that assignment? You stop Paul and you stop whatever his assignment is because we don't want him to do whatever God's called him to do. Your assignment is Paul. Your assignment is the anointing on Paul. Break the man. Break the anointing. Confuse it. Do whatever you can do that keep him from moving forward. And I would just mention this. You know, the devil will do anything he can to get you from connecting with God, connecting with your purpose, connecting with your assignment, and living a life that's not futile, but that's very God-purpose-filled. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from that, because when you connect with God, it's not just that he goes, oh, that person's going to go to heaven. He's going, oh, no, he's dangerous to me. He's, if he does what God's called him to do, he's going to expand God's kingdom, and he's going to be a threat to me. And I will just tell you, Satan will oppose you, hinder you, resist you, stop you, do everything he can to keep you from going forward. I mean, that's all over the Word of God. You remember Jesus says one time, hey, the, the seed is sown, the seed is sown. And it says, it talks about the one that hasn't gone deep yet. And, and he says, the birds snatch it away before the seed goes down. And later the disciples are like, hey, what does that mean? He says, well, what that is, is a, that's, an, that's an illustration of something natural to teach you something spiritual. When the seed of the Word of God is sown in a person's heart and it doesn't go down deep, Satan grabs that Word and pulls it out. Wow, that is amazing. And you see, there are many other kinds of examples where the devil is always doing whatever he can to keep you from connecting with God's Word for your life, from truth, from the power of God. And if you don't let it go in deep, Man, if you don't act on it, if you don't do what it says, it's not going to go in deep. It's shallow, and the devil's going to have such an easy time of just going right up to your life, and through one way or another, through reason, through experiences, through temptation, through discouragement, through fear, he can just go boop and just pull it right out of you. But if those seeds begin to germinate you act on them they go deep in good soil in your heart guess what the bible says it's going to produce a lot of fruit the word of god will do its work but you have to act on it you have to plant it amen anyway what was you see but even after you've served the lord what's the devil doing is he going to go oh he's serving the lord i can't do anything anymore no he opposed jesus you think he won't oppose you he resisted Jesus. He tempted Jesus even. Y'all remember that? So what was his tactic here with Paul? Man, this is so interesting to me. What's the devil doing here with Paul? Think about it. What's his tactic? Why well, send this girl? Couldn't he have done something else first? I think the first reason why the devil sent this girl with this uh, spirit of, of um, divination or whatever is he wanted to mess with Paul's rhythm. I want y'all to think about this. He wanted to mess with Paul's flow. Okay? Now, let me illustrate this just a little bit. Okay? Y'all probably, those of you that have been in any sports whatsoever, even if you've just been uh, watching sports or gotten into it, 
you've probably heard of the expression of when an athlete gets in a zone, right? And if you've played sports, maybe you've had those moments when you feel like you're in the zone. What happens when you're in the zone? Man, you just sort of feel like, man, you just, you just know what's going to happen. You're like, man, there's something about it. Everything's just right. You're in shape. Your mind's right. It's, everything's just flowing, right? And so that's called being in the zone. Now, when you're in the zone in a sport, usually your opponent knows that. And so it's like, man, he's hitting every shot. He's, it's just, there's something right now. I've got to break this momentum this guy's got. So what does the opponent do? He starts messing with your mind. He starts telling you things about your mother or, he, or whatever. You know, he starts saying things to you to get in your mind because what's he trying to do? He's trying to break that rhythm. He's trying to agitate you. He's trying to pull you out of your flow. Did you know the devil tries to pull you out of your flow? The devil tries to pull you out of entering a zone with God where your faith is working. Your, your, the Word of God is increasing in your life. You're in communion with God. You're enjoying God. Man, it's amazing what can happen and how the devil will try to throw something in there to, to mess up your zone. Jesus says, for example, if you worry, it'll just choke the word. You can be walking with God, flowing with God, and all of a sudden you got worry. And, and, and then, then, then you're like this, you know, and you're worried. Then discouragement comes. You're not in the zone anymore. You're, you're, like, you're like being knocked down, right? You, like, you, see what I, you understand what I'm saying? The devil just does something to get you off. He, he's like, oh, man, he's doing really well. She's doing really well. Mm. Oh, prone to worry, prone to worry. Let's make this happen. Let's bring this. And then hit, hit with these thoughts. Well, the worries of this world are going to choke the word. And the devil goes, started worrying. Oh, we were getting ready. To, that was crazy what was getting ready to happen to us. Thank God we know that that person is prone to worrying. And all we had to do is give them a few problems for them to worry about. And they forgot all about the promises of the word of God. Right? Anyway, he tries to get us off of our rhythm. Ephesians 6, if you read that, and he, he's talking about warfare there. He's talking about what you need to do to get in, in the rhythm of God uh, and to, to stay in rhythm with the Lord and to not be knocked off your horse, so to speak. Um, see, I mean, I'll just read a couple of these things here. Stand, gird your waist with truth. Instead of using all these expressions we might not be familiar with, let's just say this. Put on truth. Put on the breastplate of, plate of righteousness. Do what's right. And, you know, and um, stand in the righteousness of God. Um, be ready with the preparation of the, of the gospel. Be prepared to share the gospel. Have the gospel in your heart, in your mouth. Be willing to talk about the gospel all the time. Get the good news in you for you. Get the good news in you for others. You, you see? Get the gospel in your heart. Um, take that shield of faith every day. Have that faith always ready for anything that's going to get thrown at you, for all the darts that are going to get thrown at you. Have that shield ready. You're, you're like, okay, got to get the shield up. Got to get the shield up. Okay, so whenever a word comes, he says, get that shield up really quickly, just like that. You, hey, you got to get your rhythm. And, and you know, it, let's say you're in a place where you're being trained to do this and, uh, you know, you're throwing darts at people, you know, and then people begin to learn, oh, I got to do it fast or they're going to hit me. And then one guy gets hit over and over and like, Hey, everybody's like, hey, you got to learn to pick your, your shield up quicker, right? So, but it's, we don't go through training like that. We have to learn it. And I will tell you, most of us all have been hit with a fiery dart, right? And what happens when you get hit with a fiery dart? It goes, see, if the devil just can get the dart to you, boom, he'll knock you out of your rhythm. Is that not right? And then you got, then you got a fiery dart to contend with. If you had picked up your shield of faith, you go, boom, where does the shield go? It's in front of you. Boom, here's the word coming. Here's a thought coming. Here's the future. You go, boom, you put up that shield. Pow, you knock it out. You go, hey, I feel good. Amen. I'm in my rhythm. Isn't that right? But guess what happens when, when you're not in shape? You're sleepy. 
you know, you're not in your rhythm. You're not in your flow. Here comes this missile. You're going, no, not a big deal. Boom. Ah. And then you're like, then you're, then you got this thing. It's called a fiery dart. You know what fiery darts do? They, they're on fire. If it hits you, then you got to take all that time to get your soul healed, to get that fire put out on the inside of you, and then pull the thing out. Are y'all with me? He messed up your rhythm. Paul's teaching you how to have a rhythm and how to be running with God where every day you're, I mean, an obstacle comes and you just get it out of your way and you keep on going. Amen. That's what we're meant to do. Most people don't learn how, don't even re recognize that we can have a rhythm in, in a zone we can be in with God. Paul's like, hey, you got to learn how to be in the zone. That's where the victory is. Learn how to live in the zone. Oh, that takes too much work. Okay, well, you can live defeated then. It takes twice as much work to live a life of defeat than it does to live a life of victory. I'd rather spend the extra time and live in defeat and, and victory and get my obstacles out of the way than live in defeat because I don't have time to live in victory and then have to spend all my day worrying about my obstacles. Are y'all with me? Martin Luther. Yeah, it was Martin Luther said one time, you know, he was a great man of God. He said once, I'm going to have to get up early because I have so much to do. I'm going to have to pray three hours that day because I have so much to do. So what he said was, I've got so much to accomplish. I'm going to have to pray more. He didn't, you know, most of us today go, well, I have a lot to do today. I can't pray today. I've got too much other stuff to do. He'd go, no, I'm going to have to pray even more because I have so much to do today. I need help and I need to be ready. You see, rather than put things off when we're busy, oh, I'm too busy. I got so much stuff to do. I got so many problems. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church. I got so many other things. Oh, I got some errands I have to do today. I'll, I'll go to church next week. You, you see what I'm saying? How many times we think that way? And God's like, no, you need to get in the zone. You need to do whatever you need to do. And you stay in that zone. Where do you think your life would be one year from now if you stayed in the zone 2022? Think about that. What if you did every day? You said, okay, I'm going to get my faith up. What else does he say to do? Get into the Word of God here. He's talking about using the Word of God. Praise God. I mean, there's so many good things here, but it's all throughout the Word of God. It's the Word of God's teaching us how to be in that rhythm. And then it says, in addition to everything, pray. Pray, be watchful, be looking. You see, if you're not in shape, you can't even see what the devil's doing. You can't even see opportunities that God's bringing. Because you're not ready, right? You know, you'll be running down the field and the football will get thrown to you and it hit you in the head. You never even saw it coming. You could have made a touchdown. You know, and you think somebody else hit you in the head. You look around like, what was that? You know, opportunity came your way. You didn't even see it. Anyway, we can walk in that flow. Most people don't even realize we can be in the zone. How did this woman mess up with this flow? This is interesting to me. So Paul's going, he's preaching the word of God. And then she stands up. Hey, what he's saying is right. Hey, he's telling you the way to go. Man, that's what you want, isn't it? Don't you want an amen in your corner? Don't you want somebody from the city, you know, doing that kind of thing? But I'll tell you what's going on here and why it's messing up with this flow. You see, what's happening here is this woman is saying the same thing. She's agreeing with him, apparently, but it's the wrong spirit. The wrong spirit. And I just want to say, I have seen this so many times in my life. People say things, it looks right, but it's a wrong spirit. It's definitely wrong. Um, again, I've seen this happen so many times. And I want to illustrate a little bit of what this might be like using a natural illustration. I hope you can connect with, with it uh, and that it will make sense to you. But imagine somebody comes and they're singing a song. Um, I don't know who has a beautiful voice these days. I, I'm not into that and nobody's coming to mind at the moment. But let's say somebody comes and they're singing a song. And, and it's beautiful, right? It's a beautiful song sung in a, with a beautiful voice. And then somebody near the front stands up and they start singing the song too. And you're listening to that person. And let's say it's an acapella song, you know. You're just listening to that person. 
And it's so nice. And, they, and then the person stands up at the front and they begin to sing the same song. But they're off tune. And they're off rhythm. You, are, you see what I'm saying? You know what's going to happen to you? You're going to go. You can be in a choir and have one person in the whole choir with a loud voice off tune, singing the right words, maybe off tune, off rhythm. And everybody's going to go. All of a sudden, you're not listening to the beautiful music anymore. That one thing gets all the attention. Is that not right? The one thing out of alignment gets all the attention. And so that's what's happening. Paul's preaching, and then she's throwing this stuff into the mix. And it's just rubbing him the wrong way. It's just messing with everything he's doing. You see what I, what I mean? Anyway, I believe it was definitely rubbing Paul the wrong way. And, and, and it, it, it's hindering what he's doing. It's hindering what he's doing. And now he's, and the, it even shows us here, he starts to get, what, really agitated with this woman. All right. Well, actually, was it with the woman? Because he realizes the spirit in that woman. And the second thing that's going on here is this woman is messing with the anointing. That holy, the, the um, demonic hordes of hell always want to mess with the anointing. They don't like the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing um, will um, see salvation, will see healing, will, will culminate in some amazing things happen. The devil does everything he can to stop the flow of the anointing. You know, whenever God's moving, uh, I try to not interrupt that. If we have times of worship and the Holy Spirit's moving and somebody does something, I try to not interrupt that, right? And you try to experiment. And you, you want to see the presence of the Lord and whatever God's doing. When I'm preaching and I sense God flowing in a way, I try to not interrupt that, right? I try to get out of the way as much as I can and let God move. We'll see what the devil does. He gets in the way as much as he can of God flowing in the anointing of the Holy Spirit moving. And that's what she was doing, right? Now, let's, uh, now, let's go back to this example of the singing, okay? You could be, in a, even in a natural thing, when somebody's very gifted, they could sing, and it just touched you deep within, right? Almost, you ever been, and almost put chill bumps on you because the, somehow the song touched an emotion, and it was, it was so real, right? Are y'all with me? You ever had that experience? Most of us have, right? Well, that sort of illustrates a little bit of what the anointing is like. It, there's a similarity there. And um, I want you to take that same picture. Imagine you being in that place where the chill bumps would normally be there. And the discord happened that I mentioned earlier, where somebody just starts to sing all way off tune and off rhythm, right? Um, so what would happen? No more chill bumps. Is that true? Well, they're still the ones that were still singing are still singing, aren't they? They're still flowing, aren't they? Why no more chill bumps? Because there's a mixture now. And what ends up happening is the mixture ends up getting the attention. And that's exactly what the devil wanted to do. Now, one of the enemy's greatest tactics is to mix things in with the anointing to dilute it or to pull attention away from what God is doing. Jesus says, I'm the one who goes and sows good seed. And then what does he say the devil does after he goes and sows good seed? He sows evil seed, doesn't he? In the same place, so it'll be together. You see, that's what he tries to do. He goes and tries to mess things up. I've shared this story with some of you before, but I'll share it again since so it seems to fit in right here. I remember one time I was in a, I was in a place where um, it was in this church and this guy was getting ready to preach um, and he had a well-known ministry and he stands up and I had a vision of him. I mean, I, I was like I had a vision and I'm like, wow, this is so strange. He, before he had preached a word, I saw him, he had on a play uh, breastplate. He had on a 
clay uh, sword uh, and other things. And then and he's got his helmet was like this big. Of course, I'm thinking the helmet of salvation. And I'm going, wow, that's so strange what I'm seeing. And I had no idea what all of that would have meant. But I began to notice something when he preached. He had an anointing or a flow that I believe is from the Lord in a salvation message. It was so strong. And when he would get up into that salvation message so strong, something in his flesh recognized the the anointing and the salvation message. And he had his pet peeves that he would add to it to connect with that. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? If I'm flowing in the anointing and the power of God's flowing in me, and then I've got something I want to convince you of that is of me, intuitively, I can stick it in right there and you'll connect it with the anointing. Are y'all with me? That's a really interesting uh, insight that the Lord gave me. So I was watching this guy and he would be flowing in the anointing and he would then mix all of that up with it. And the Lord, I believe, showed me that vision to give me an understanding of this principle. You see, wherever you have flesh and spirit there and you aren't willing to subdue the flesh, the enemy will use your flesh to mess up what God wants to do in your, through, your, through the Spirit of God. Are y'all see that? You see, God's got a call on every one of our lives, and it's up to us to press past and to let go of the things of the flesh so that the purpose of God can be fulfilled in our life. If you don't deal with the things in your flesh, if the mixture, the devil will use it as a haven for his presence in your life. That's a crazy truth, but it's true. Think about Joseph. Joseph, what's his assignment? What's his call? God speaks it to him. But then what's got to happen? He's got to walk through a process, get rid of the mixture in his life. And what does, what does God do with him? He deals with his pride, his ego, and all of this. And after God deals with that, then he can be entrusted with the high call of God on his life. I'll just leave, that, this with, leave today with this last point here. You see, when God brings you into some place, you see, when, when he, when, or excuse me, when he's bringing you to a place and he has an assignment on your life, that assignment is of God. That assignment will be resisted, but ultimately, which we're going to see next week, that assignment is going to come to fruition as long as you don't give up, as long as you don't get discouraged, but all along the way, you have to deal with you also, not just the devil. You got to deal with you and your flesh, lest you give him a door. You deal with you and your flesh, and at the right time, God will promote you. Amen? Paul said this to Timothy If anybody cleanses himself of what is unclean and fleshy, then he'll be a vessel of Honor. That means of honorable use. So it's like this. If you want to say God's the, the illustration Paul was using is God has some vessels where they're like cups, you know, for, you know, you throw them away after you use them, you know, that kind of thing. And you've got other ones that are like the fine dining, like, oh, um, an important person is coming today and it's an important occasion or whatever. Let's get out that right. What it's a it's a vessel of honor, right? And God says, if you'll cleanse yourself from the fleshy stuff, the impurity stuff, you'll be a vessel that God will go, wow, I can use this for this assignment. The way I look at it also is we have an assignment. And each one of us, if we're willing to purify our lives, purify ourselves, God is going to make that special honorable thing come through for every single one of us. You don't have to fall short of the high call of God on your life. Amen. And then Paul says this also in 2 Corinthians 7 2, let's cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What he's saying here is 
Get rid of the mixture. Get rid of the mixture. So today I just want to encourage you. First of all, you can stay in the zone. You can walk in a zone with God. You can walk in victory every day. You might go, I'm too tired to do that. Wait a minute. You've got this thing backwards. The reason why you're so tired, the reason why you're beat up is because you haven't been doing that. You know what I mean? Get into that place of victory. Make a decision today. I'm going to live a life of that zone. I'm going to get in the rhythm with God. It doesn't mean you'll never get hit. It doesn't mean you won't have to rise up. That's just life. But you can be running and get hit. Are you, you see what I'm saying? You can be in that rhythm with God. And when something boom, interjects into your life and boom, seems to knock you down, you're going to get up so quickly because you know what to do. That's what happened to Paul here. We're going to see next week. He got knocked down, so to speak. It would have appeared that he did. And just a few hours, boom, he's up and running, gets the biggest breakthrough of, as one of the biggest breakthroughs of his life. Why? Because he's like, oh, no. You're not going to get me off course. You're not going to get me off my rhythm. And second thing I want to encourage you to, to do is to get rid of mixture. You'll never get in rhythm. You'll never get in your zone if you don't deal with the mixture in your life. The things, attitudes that are there, things that are there that you haven't dealt with, things that you just think, well, you know, this is normal. We all have that. No. God says, if you deal with that, what you're doing is you're taking away any place that the enemy might have in your life. Doesn't the Bible say, Give the devil no place. When you deal with flesh, what are you doing? You're taking away the place you're giving to the devil. You know, this is another thing that is so crazy, but I can see people, they may be very spiritual, but if there's an area in their life where there's bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, they're blind in that whole area. The devil has a heyday with them. It's the most crazy thing. Doesn't matter how smart they are, how educated they are, even how, how often they come to church. It doesn't, doesn't matter. If there's an area they won't deal with, the devil has at it with them. So I just want to encourage you. Is there anything you're holding on to in life? You might think it's not a big deal, but I'm telling you from the outside, believe me, once you deal with it and you move on, you'll go, I cannot believe that big thing was in me. You know, there's a verse where Jesus is, and these are for spiritual people, right? He goes, why are you trying to fix everybody else? And you haven't worked on yourself. If you will deal with the big log in your eye, you can deal with the speck in somebody else's eye. The picture of that's so funny to me. Somebody's got a log in their eye, and they're going, man, you got a bad speck in your eye. I can't not believe, can I help you get that out of your, I mean, think about that. That's the way God sees it. But that happens all the time. Do y'all not ever see that? Somebody with so many issues, and yet they know everything about everybody else's problems and why they're doing what they're doing, and, and you're going, I can't, unbelievable. But you see, the log in your eye is producing the blindness, and you think you see things clearly. And what's so funny, you're going to try to help everybody else with all your insight, and all you're doing is sticking your finger in their eye. It's the craziest thing. God says, stop doing that. Work on you first. If you work on you first, then you'll be able to help somebody else. You see, the anointing, the flow comes when we deal with that mixture. The grace to help, the grace for God to work uses, to, it happens when we deal with the mixture. Our eyes open when we deal with the mixture. And he says, you deal with you. You cleanse yourself. He says that to Timothy. You cleanse yourself. Paul said it to the Corinthians. Jesus says, you take, you deal with the mode in your eye. You go, yes, how do we deal? We do pray, God help us, but we have to confess it. We have to see it. And we have to go through the painful thing of going, okay, this is in me. God, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh. Anytime you deal with something, it hurts. I don't know why. It's like, because like, we've been holding on to it. We don't want to do it. You know, pride is one of the most crazy things. Um, we don't want to let go of it. It's so painful to let go of pride. But then after we let go of it, we go, what was that? So it's painful to humble ourselves. Oh, it's so painful. But then after we do it, you go, man, that was nothing. Anyway. Okay, so what you're going to do this week? Have the vision of the zone. Live for that zone. Get in that zone. Get in that zone today. Before you go to bed, make sure before you go to sleep, you, you go, 
you start getting in the Word. Get, get something from the Word of God. Get a promise. Say something before you go to bed. Pray before you go to bed. Get in the rhythm before you go to bed. Commit your life to the Lord. Commit your dreams to the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, man, that's, that's probably the, the time that's most difficult for me is when I first wake up, I'm going, oh, you know, I've, I've shared before Smith Wigglesworth. It must have been a hard time for him, too, because he made a decision when he got out of bed. The first thing he was going to do was dance before God. So I'm going, oh, my gracious. Actually, I'm just saying this and uh, I'm going, you know what? I ought to start doing that every day. So he'd get up and he'd start dancing and he's worshiping the Lord. First thing he do. Why is he doing that? Because he wants to get into that rhythm with God. He doesn't want us to miss out on that day. Right. So stay in that rhythm. Get that vision. I can get in that rhythm. I can get in it. And if you don't feel like you get in it at first, keep on doing it until you connect with it. And secondly, what you're going to do, deal with whatever comes up in your life. Humble yourself. Be loving. Be gracious. Get rid of the thorns in your soul. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you for this week. Lord, we are going to connect with that zone. We're going to rise up in the rhythm of God. Lord, we're going to pick up our shield of faith. We're going to be speaking the word of God, confessing it. We're going to be rejoicing when our flesh doesn't feel like it. God, we're just going to force ourselves into victory, Lord. We're going to push right on into it, whether our flesh likes it or not. And we thank you, God, we can live in that place of that zone of victory, of a great prayer life, of the spiritual things flowing. And God, we thank you that as we go forward with you, Father, if there's any mixture in our lives, if there's something you want to deal with, Lord, we just want to say, Lord, we just want that to happen. God, we want to get rid of any mixture. Uh, we want to get rid of any defilement of flesh or spirit. We want to perfect holiness in the fear of God. So, Lord, here we are. We're looking forward to this week. God, we're going to be jumping over obstacles. We're going to be running that obstacle course. And we're not going to stop and sit down when we get to an obstacle. We're, we're going to leap over it or move it out of the way. Lord, we thank you uh, for that this week. And Lord, we just pray our whole church family and those listening. Lord, may we all connect with that vision today. May we all together get into that zone and flow with God. We pray that our corporate house would be a place where people receive salvation, where people are healed of whatever kind of sicknesses and diseases they have, where they get their breakthroughs. God, we pray that the anointing of God would flow, that there would be no hindrance to it, no pulling us out of that flow. God, we ask you, God, that we would be able to attain to the maximum of what is possible for our church, our lives, our families, our home, everything. God, that's what we're looking for. We're going to live that way. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be ready. In Jesus' name, amen.